Hello, humans. Hello, humans of the world. It's me, Ellie Krug, Ellie 2.0 Radio on AM 950. Here I am. Happy uh, last Saturday of October. Happy Halloween weekend. Uh, get ready for the trick-or-treaters. I am thrilled to be back uh, talking to you today. Last week was kind of a buy for me and best of Ellie's show last week, but you got me back here. Um, and we have uh, we have a spectacular big interview um, with Sandra Samuels, who is the co-founder and executive director of the Northside Achievement Zone, NAS. It is uh, – that interview is longer than ordinarily, OK? And so – but trust me, it is an incredibly powerful interview. And by the way, it's not powerful because of anything I did. All you just have to do is just start listening to what Sandra has to say about racism in America and the effects of it. And her organization, NAS, is working to uh, counter all of that. So – and in my C block, uh, which won't be a whole long time, I'm going to talk a little bit more about being an idealist. And uh, there you go. But for our A block here, right here, um, rather than highlight a featured idealist, okay, um, I have uh, I have something that incredibly important that I want to talk with you about, and that is Tuesday, Tuesday, election day, uh, here in Minnesota and across much of the country. These are off-cycle elections, which historically have garnered much less turnout than uh, presidential elections or certainly congressional elections. The big vote, okay, the hot spots next Tuesday will be local school boards. That, I, it's, it's hard for me to even believe that I'm saying that. But it's true. I trust that you have been paying attention to the vitriol that local school boards have been forced to endure in recent months over masking, critical race theory, which again, remember, is just this all-encompassing phrase for anything that has to do with talking about diversity and inclusion and particularly America's history of enslaving humans. Um, and uh, the, 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 the vitriol has also been over protecting transgender students. So with Ellie Krug, you pretty much get everything <laughs> that school boards are fighting about. Out where I live in Carver County, um, which is an outer ring county here in the Twin Cities for folks who are not familiar out in the West, um, there was a scuffle at a late September meeting of the Eastern County, Eastern Carver County School Board, uh, a meeting of that school board. And it, the scuffle was between a mask advocate and an anti-masker. The anti-masker ended up grabbing a phone from the person who had a, had a mask on, grabbing his phone, and there was some pushing back and forth, and, and uh, the, um, the anti-masker was charged well, with assault. Um, and what Tuesday is all about, okay, what Tuesday is all about, it's about getting in place board members, school board members, who will drive their school district to a far more conservative bend. And what will that conservative bend look like? Well, certainly it's going to look a lot like um, – it's going to look a lot like heading towards you know, white nationalism. That would be my phrase. Um, you know, where, where talking about skin color, America's history of enslaving people, that's going to be off the table – where transgender 
and LGB students are going to be persona non grata. And I'm sure that, you know, it'll be a big push to have more prayer in the classrooms and a whole lot of other things that are important to conservative white color people. As the New York Times reported this week, Ballotopia, which is a nonpartisan organization that tries to track um, elections, Ballotopia is currently tracking 80 recall efforts against 207 school board um, members. So across the country, they're trying to recall existing school board members. And then for those who are terming out, you know, and, and up for election again, then putting in their own candidates. I mean, this there, there is money coming in from across the country for these school board elections. So I have two questions for you, listeners. One, first, are you going to vote on Tuesday? And I know that for some of you that might sound, Ellie, that, that's kind of a silly question. Of course I'm going to vote. But for others of you, because it is an off-year election, off-cycle election, um, you may not be particularly motivated to go vote. And I'm, and, and I'm asking you, I'm asking every one of my listeners to go vote. That's the first thing. Second question, do you know which school board candidates – for upcoming election, espouse conservative, discriminatory ideas. Do you know who they are? Because if you do, please, (laughs) don't vote for them. You know, I'm voting on Tuesday for the sole reason of having a say about school board members. That's what's getting me out. That's why I'm going to go, okay? And um, I urge you to do that. As well. Now, it's going to, for some of you, it's going to take legwork on your part. I mean, you're going to have to go do some Googling, do some research online. You're going to have to do the work to figure out which of these school board members, by the way, it's probably all that are not incumbents, okay, because the incumbents, for the most part, were elected at a time where school boards were nonpartisan. Oh, ho-hum. Okay, it's a school board election. Okay, who are we going to have in who sounds very competent, who's going to do a great job for our students in our school district? That's gone out the window. And now it's about ideology. Okay, so you're going to have to do some work to figure out who the ideologues are. Okay, and then you're going to have to get in your car or walk up to the precinct and you're going to have to vote. And you're going to have to vote against those people, please, please, because once our schools go, okay, there you go. I mean, once they go, there's indoctrination and, you know, then we start, we'll never get to the point where our country can heal from its horrible racism. Okay, now uh, I'm going to take a break. And then when we come back, Sandra Samuels, I guarantee you, you will be You will very much enjoy this interview. It is highly educational. And Sandra, there's a reason why she's a leader in Minnesota and in the country um, as it relates to what she's talking about. Okay, so when we come back, you'll get that. If you like what you hear, visit my website at hillycrug.com. Sign up for my newsletter, The Ripple, and we'll be back in a minute. Thanks. And we're back. 
Ellie 2.0 Radio. Um, all right. Time for the big interview now. I have Sandra Samuels on the line. She is the executive director of the Northside Achievement Zone in Minneapolis. Sandra, welcome to Ellie 2.0 Radio. Well, Ellie, thank you. It's such an honor to be back on with you. Oh, You're amazing. Yeah, well, we ha- we've had you on before where we were talking yeah. about uh, disparities in the education system. And yes. I said it was such a great interview. I said I wanted to have you back because we ran out of time. And, and so welcome back. And what I wanted to focus on today, a couple of different things. One is I do want to give you an opportunity to showcase the Northside Achievement Zone where you've been the executive director of for a number of years. Can you tell us what uh, NAS, uh, your acronym, tell us what it does, okay? And um, And make sure at some point, during the, our interview here, you tell us how we can help Naz, okay? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Thanks, Ellie. So, yeah, so Naz has been working on um, <clears throat> addressing inequity um, in terms of racial inequity in education and just life in general on the North Side for the last decade. Um, I am a co-founder of, along with about 30 other nonprofit leaders. I'm the CEO of Naz, but... We have nonprofit leaders in housing and in health and in jobs, and then the whole education pipeline, early childhood, um, EDs and CEOs of centers and schools, um, K through 12 schools, after school, summer programs, as well as colleges. And then the Northside Achievement Zone ourselves, we do a whole host of parenting education classes. Um, and papa classes for 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 black fathers and so on but the the main thing is that what we did was we said okay all of these nonprofits in north minneapolis and by the way place matters and so where the biggest disparities are is where we have to put the biggest um insertion of effort right and so we all came together over a decade ago and said you know what I'm doing housing, you're doing early childhood, you're doing this. We are serving the same families and um, and we're not talking to each other. So NAS ultimately, um, Ellie, is about the adults in the sandbox playing well with each other and actually having the same goal, the Northside Achievement Zone, that all of our children graduate high school, college, and career ready and get through college and that we transform the north side into the asset that it really is and that we do that together all of the organizations that i'm talking about and all of those that we no longer treat families and children as if they are um divided parts right (laughs) but we treat them as a whole okay and uh, so uh tell us uh how big is nas's budget how many team members do you have that are part of the organization Yeah, absolutely. So as the so we have about 30 nonprofit partners, right, which include which include schools and um, and our budget is 12 million. And with the 12 million and when I say our budget, I'm talking so all of my partners have their own budgets as well. Right, right. (laughs) But we are a back backbone organization. And so we do all of the parenting education, the father education, the youth education around empowerment, around kindergarten readiness, things of that nature. We have a number of curricular offerings. Right. Um, we um, pay for all of the evaluation because a big thing, Ellie, is we have to show 
that our work works, right? And so yep. we have yep. to measure. Data is important. And in fact, one of our values, our values are called NASFACs, um, and that's focusing on the success of children and families, the F, advancing racial equity for all, the A, creating a trusting community, the C, and the last one is data, um, transforming our community through data and learning. And so that's what we do. We work with Wilder Research, plus we have our own evaluation team. We do community <laughs> wellness. Trauma in our community is real. So we have um, staff who focus on trauma, and they work in partnership with one of our key partners, Washburn Children's Center. Um, so we do all the evaluation. We do all of the parenting education. We do all of the connectivity around our partners and so we host the meetings we work with our partners to create a shared plan for the north star um and then um, we have family achievement coaches they are from the community they work full-time um and they connect our families to the supports of our 30 partners and we have this comprehensive plan that we then call the team that surrounds a child. So we might have, for example, Team Royce. And that would be, um, Royce is one of our scholars. We call all our baby scholars, by the way, Ellie, because we want to get at the belief gap. So there is an achievement gap steeped in racism. And there's also a belief gap that is the result of that. And so we call all our baby scholars because we know that they have the intellectual <laughs> efficacy, no matter what they want to do. And, uh, and so anyway, so, and, and many of the families go through our uh, parenting education classes as well. Well, Sandra, you know, one of the things that I think that really stands out about NAS is that it is so comprehensive. It is, mm -hmm. it is like wraparound in a, mm -hmm. a, in a variety of ways. And this coaching about families, coaching of men, um, let me ask you, um, with great respect, a question mm -hmm. that I keep getting um, mm -hmm. as I do my racial equity work, mm -hmm. you know, and usually it's preceded by somebody saying, you know, so, you know, somebody saying, well, you know, I understand the statistics about the number of, you know, incarcerated, mainly black men compared to yeah. the white population. It's mm -hmm. much higher. But that's mm -hmm. always followed by the comment. But Ellie, what do what do we say about the fact that, you know, statistically, it appears that black men are more violent. And mm -hmm. and so that's why more of, quote, quote, unquote, them are in prison. And the reason I'm asking you that question is because I think that there's a theme here about the, the family dynamics, the family trauma and the family coaching that you're well aware of at NAS. Mm -hmm. Am I am I right about this? Oh, absolutely, Ellie. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Yeah, so this is it is such a great great question and and I know that sentiment is out there though I really get it. <laughs> right? Uh, you know, as a black woman living in the middle of North Minneapolis, which is disproportionately African American community. Right. That by the way <clears throat> suffers disproportionately from black on black violence. Right. And I say that um I, I I had moved to talking about community violence because we don't call white on white violence by that, right? And right. it's white far more white people kill other white people, but the disproportionality and and I can't stay away from calling it black on black because itself is a remnant, is a product of racism. 
And so let me let let me say more about that. Ellie. Please, and, please and I, do, Sandra. And I, yeah, please do. and I struggled with this from the time <clears throat> I was fourteen, and the first African American young man in my community was murdered that I knew, murdered by another African American young man. And I'm fifty five, and for like twenty years of my life, I w- it, I was questioning: Are we more violent? Why are we killing each other so much? I haven't seen a white person in a white hood come into our community ever. I just see it in the movies. But Ellie, as a big grown adult now who understands history and how we got to where we are, it it has everything to do with the racism that America is steeped in. It it is our our foundation that we stand in. And so can I use George Floyd as an example? Please do. Uh, So what I keep saying is that the murder of George Floyd, the egregious murder that we're all just angry about and and are demanding change is the tip of the racist iceberg. Right. If it's an iceberg and we know the danger of an iceberg is what's underneath the waterline, underneath the murder under the knee of George Floyd is the murder um, of uh, metaphorically of black people underneath the waterline, the murder of us in education, the murder of us in housing, the murder of us in jobs and incarceration and health and wealth. You know, all of that is all there. And so George's his story, he represents George Floyd is we have about close to 2000 children who are part of the North Side Achievement Zone who are zero to 18. Mm-hmm. They are. That's George. That They are. They many of them have George's background, meaning his family, their history. He they were sharecroppers in the South, slaves, of course, in the South and then sharecroppers. His great great grandfather was actually one of those um, um, uh, sl- emancipated slaves who had great um, um, agency, and he bought a lot of land. And the family was like, you know, moving up there. And the white people in the community, we keep hearing about this, like right. you know, about Black Wall Street and how that yep. got all turned, you know, burnt up by white folks who didn't, who who were angry about the progress blacks were making happened to George Floyd's family. And so they seized all of his property, burnt down all they had, and he was further back economically than he had been even, you know, right after slavery and never made it back again, right? And so his family stayed mired in poverty, American poverty, because of this color of their skin. And then they all moved to, um, I think George is from Texas, if I'm not right. um, yep. incorrect. H- uh, Houston, his, yep. Houston and his mom is single. They move into one of the most notorious housing projects. You know why they moved into a housing project, Ellie? Because that's what white folks did to black folks back then. Yep. Okay. And yep. they, and we know now Cabrini, that stacking, Cabrini green in Chicago. Yes. Yep. Yep. Yes. Yep. We know now that stacking poverty on top of poverty on top of poverty doesn't work. And these are the same people, by the way, we made. So everybody on, your show, Ellie, who's listening to the show, should see the documentary called 13. Because that talks about the 13th Amendment. This is how you want to talk about black men being locked up. It is baked into the systemic plan strategy of America. And the 13th Amendment talks about when slavery ended. Right. The amendment was no one will be in bondage unless 
Unless they, they commit a crime. Commit a crime, right? right. Yep. So right after slavery, nobody has free labor anymore. And we're we're moving into the industrial age, right? And there's no free labor, which is why America is one of the greatest countries and sorry, richest countries on the planet. Because if I didn't have to pay my 50 employees, Ellie, I, we, we would be having some serious money because the majority <laughs> of my budget goes right. to my people. So anyway, so America passes that. So then all of these um the rail industry, the tr- the um, train and, you know, the railroads yep, and yep. the, um, the um, you know, all of these other industries, Text, steel industry, the textile industry, yep. textile industry, they needed workers. So with that amendment, it's like, OK, we can't have them in bondage unless they commit a crime. So everything became a crime. So if you if you um, um, stole a pig, that was a felony. OK, and you would get locked up. If you whistled at a white woman or she felt disrespected in any way, that was a crime. You got locked up. I mean, there were they made yep, that's so if our, you, loitering, our loitering laws. Our loitering, yeah. And I'm, I'm going. Yes. Yep. Our loitering law. And I'm, I'm going too deep. But everything. So we had we we created this culture of incarceration. And of course, today and, and they were used to build industry. So because slavery went away. We slavery put on a new skin like a snake. And that's when we got that. That legacy goes right through George Floyd's family. And again, he's an archetype of many of the black males who are in our program. So now his mother is living in the equivalent of Cabrini Green. George has a dream of being a Supreme Court justice. But George is in um, a, um, a housing project, and he is served by failing schools all around him and people who have the same history as him, and they're all poor. He learns quickly that he ain't in no kind of pipeline to become a Supreme Court justice. Just basically based on the school system, the failing school system, which still happens today. Like, this is not history. This is present. So George then, oh, I'm a black male. Let me get into sports. I'm a big guy. Right. That's the one area we've allowed black people to um, to play in. Right. And so he tries to do that. He does some, you know, does some um, um, basketball and things of that nature. But he ain't making it to the NBA. And so George is so no education, you know, no future. No dad, right? And again, and by the way, under Reagan, and I'm sure his dad, it, it, and I don't know this, but I'm just making it up for the kids that I know in my community. You know, under Reagan, three strikes are out, not for violent crimes, Ellie, but it's because you could have had weed. Right. George, of course, we know for a $10 bag of weed, he got incarcerated for 10 months. Okay, like that. We know that happened to him. And we know what happens when we put young boys in jail, that they actually become better criminals when they're in there and they're hopeless. And then, oh, what happens when they get out, Ellie? Nobody will rent to you. You can't get a college loan and you can't get a job. Right. So what do you do? And and again, Reagan locked up a whole heap of black folks nonviolent crime, drug offender, um, drug offenses. What do you do if you can't get a job, you don't have a place to live and you are and you are a a man and you feel like you should be contributing 
to your community and to the household, then you, you're going to go to an economy if you're smart. And what we have created in our inner cities are underground economies, yep. right? So, so then what happens is you get into this vicious cycle. And, of course, Reagan's administration also dropped crack cocaine into our neighborhoods like knowingly allowed crack cocaine in exchange for the weapons that were um, given to the Contras um, to be dropped with a blind eye in the middle of black communities. And we all know that. And I, Ellie, my I am a, a, a baby of the crack era. So when I say a baby, I would have been, you know, in my teens. I watched my community get decimated. I watched people get locked up like changing your underwear, Ellie. Black people, okay, particularly mm-hmm. black boys. And their major crime was that they were addicted to a drug that our white-led government poured out in our communities. And so you have this cycle now, Ellie, of, oh, and by the way, the thing that happened here in North Minneapolis, here's the other thing um, that separated us. Um, this used to be a very Jewish and black community. Right. Right. In terms of the diversity and yep. largely the red, white. The, the, yeah. The redlining. Yep. 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 Of course. Yep. A lot. So redlining. So you couldn't get mortgages. And if you did get a mortgage, by the way, you paid exponentially more than white people yep. did in terms of interest and so on. But anyway, so Jewish and black. But after the war, when folks were coming back, the suburbs opened up for Jewish people. That's why we call St. Louis Park right now St. Jewish Park. Yep, SLT. Lovingly. Yep, yep. Yeah, lovingly. But the, the, the suburbs opened up for them. The suburbs did not open up for black folks. And one of the ways the suburbs opened up is that when people came back from war, men, they were able to get the GI Bill, right, that gave them money to further their education for right. mortgages, Black people were black men were not allowed to get GI benefits. They did not get money for mortgages, which makes people first class. I mean, middle class. They did not get loans for college. And so you see this separate. So this gap, Ellie, that we keep talking about. And and I don't like calling it an achievement gap in education. I keep I'm calling it now the opportunity gap. In education, in housing, in income, in wealth, and in car, that 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 gap where white folks do so well, and black folks do. Sorry, I'm changing my language. Where white folks are given so many opportunities, <laughs> and black folks are given so little. That's the gap, Ellie. Okay, that is the gap. Sandra, I got to stop you because we yeah. got to take a break. Okay. Yeah. But when yeah. we come back, I want to talk more about this. Okay. Okay. All right. Is that all right? Oh, sure. <laughs> okay. All right. All right, listeners. Um, you and I have been getting an education, the education that we need from our guest, Sandra Samuels, uh, the executive director of the Northside Achievement Zone. When we come back from our break, we're going to talk to her a little bit more. Uh, you're listening to me, Ellie Krug on Ellie 2.0 Radio. Uh, one of the few radios stations in the country that tell you the way it is. Thanks.
And we're back on LA 2.0 Radio. I've been speaking with uh, Sandra Samuels, who is the executive director of the Northside Achievement Zone, known as NAS. And we were talking about how everything that America has done to people who are black in skin color weighs on them and shows up in a variety of ways that we're dealing with today in 2021. Uh, Sandra, I wanted to particularly focus on your, you know, we've been talking, we, we got down, we started down this road, and I am so thankful for your great explanation about George Floyd and how he's, he's symbolic of what America has done uh, to black people, but particularly to black men. Um, but what Naz, one of the things you're doing is you, you've got this, you know, this, family counseling, this parenting education, particularly for, for men. Tell us, how does, that, how does that counter what America has done uh, to yeah. the black community? Yeah. So thank you, Ellie. Great question. Um, so we have a curricular offering called Family Academy, right, that we have. And we have like five or six offerings. College Bound Babies Program for parents who have children zero to three and it's 12 weeks and they get paid by the way, they get a stipend. And that's the other thing we pay for all of our classes. We give stipends to families because as a community, we want them to know this is so important to us as a community, not just you and your child, but to all of us because we're all in this together. Right. Right. The intricate, we understand how interconnected we all are Ellie across all races. But anyway, yep. Yeah, totally. And so, um, so college bound babies, ready for K, and that's an eight week program, college bound scholars. But then we have an empowerment class called NAS Foundations. And it's the same type of program that like the Jeremiah program that focuses Mm -hmm. on women. Yep. And um, getting them into the workforce, they give them housing and so on. But you can't even get into the Jeremiah program if you haven't taken um, their empowerment series of classes, which is usually like, I think, eight weeks as well. And so we do that at NAS and it's all about, it's kind of a, um, it's kind of a cognitive restructuring and it gets at people's core hurts. Right. Cause you know, Ellie, the biggest thing that uh, nobody can sabotage us better than we can oh. ourselves. Well, the message from society to people who aren't white is that you are lesser. Yes, that is yes, the, that is yes. the message from the moment you can yes. watch TV, right? From the time you can, it, you're soaking it in all the time, yeah. and so that is actually what this um, the, our foundations class about, and what they do at Jeremiah. It is like, and in fact, the mantra is like, I, you know, I am important, you know, I'm special, you know, and I'm capable. Like it's something like that. I didn't yep. get it quite right, but that's but okay. But that's what white kids have been hearing from, you know. Yes. Well, right? Ellie, they white kids don't have to hear it. All they gotta do is go to South Dakota and see their images carved, carved <laughs> into the side of a big ass mountain, <laughs> and it's like that's role modeling right there. Right. Yeah. Right. And so, but anyway, so we we do the classes and. It it is like you are somebody so that people can get out of their own way in every area of their lives, from their parenting to keeping a job, to getting a better job, to improving their income, all of that. And one of the things that and we, we have a youth program that's empowerment as well. But one of the things that a lot of the dads in our program said to us, because most of our um, programs were populated by black women, we serve 
we serve deliberately the African-American low-income community. That's our sweet spot in North Minneapolis. Sure. And so the, we would have a dad here or there who would be a part of the classes. And, um, and just stereotypically, Ellie, women did all the talking. <laughs> and, the, and, and so different guys said to the men who were leading programs, man, why can't we have our own thing? <laughs> you know, like, cause like, I'm not like, I can't get a word in edgewise. Like I'm being stereotypical, but it's true. And there was so few of them. So we created something like, and in fact, we were, we just canceled an event, Ellie called family man. And it was going to be the fathers who are part of our fathering program, who are going through this as black men in community. Um, that they were going to share with the broader community what they're getting out of creating these cohorts of black men right. who care about their children, their partners, themselves, and their community. Um, many of them have have had um, challenges with prison and, and things of that nature, Ellie, for all the reasons I talked about earlier, right? And they're creating these cohorts of men who want better and are seeking better, who are trying to do better. And they talk about the pain of, you know, sometimes not being able to even see their children, right? Because of how the system is arrayed of not being able to provide in the ways they want. So they're looking for a better job and better income. And I mean, and they, and they, they cry together, Ellie, and they, and they share, their triumphs together as well and it is it i think it's the most powerful thing that we're doing because it is transforming um the lives of the men and 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 make no mistake america came after black men more than any other group of people okay and and it is it they they are gaining strength their own strength by the way Everything that we do at NAS, in fact, we're called, we call it power. We call it community power, parent power, youth power, because they already have agency. They are already powerful. We're just holding up a mirror and giving some tools, some skills, some knowledge to build on their inherent worth and, and efficacy. Wow. Okay. Well, and this is, I mean, we, we, we go back to that messaging that you Mm -hmm. are lesser and it is a message that is so ingrained in humans. Yep. And, um, right. Right. And, and, and I assume you, you've, you, you've got metrics, you're tracking, you're tracking all the participants in your program. I mean, you've got, I'm sure you've got data that's showing, how how they've moved up the ladder economically. I'm sure you've got data in terms of, I, I mean, I know on your website, the children who go through your pre-K program are, and, and then who go through NAS programs are doing better academically than their cohorts. Do I have that right? Yes. Yep. Early childhood, everything. The other indicators, Ellie, so um, we, we've got, that we've is got something. Sa- Sandra, we got about a minute, a minute and a half. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. no, but go the, ahead and give us the, the other indicators. So, so yep. yeah. So the other indicators we're working on, really looking at and tracking, you know, economic um, um, upward mobility. And th- right. That's all part of it. Right. What we've been focused on for the last decade is are our interventions making a difference in the life of the child? 
And even though we've been doing, and so, so just so you know, yes, everything you just named is what we have our eye on tracking into the future. Good, good. Well, Sandra, you and I could talk for, I think, a couple of hours, but unfortunately, <laughs> I've got to get to a couple of other things on yes. the show. But, but, yes. um, Naz, if somebody wants to support Naz, what do they do? How do they get to it? Go to our website because they can sign up for newsletters there, <clears throat> Ellie, because it's real important just to stay connected and know what we're doing. Like, we're having a treater trunk. Um, event tomorrow at Big Brothers Big Sisters here on the north side and we were looking for volunteers to open up their trunks with treats <laughs> and and we're also doing a family academy graduation at the same time so if they were on our um, email list they would have known that that was an opportunity uh, so that's okay. one all right so the website the website yes. is northsideachievementzone.org yes Yes. Yep. Okay. Absolutely. Right. And then they can make donations. They can give as yes, well. Yes, right? absolutely. Okay. Always need that. <laughs> All right. Well, Sandra, it has just been a real pleasure to talk with you. And um, I'm going to have you back again. I guarantee it. Okay. Okay. Ellie, thank you so much. I uh, adore you. Oh, well, it's reciprocal. Trust me. Okay, <laughs> listeners, we've been speaking with Sandra Samuels, the executive director and co founder of the Northside Achievement Zone. Um, go check out their website. NorthSideAchievementZone.org. All you have to do is just Google NAS Minneapolis and you'll get it. When we come back from the break, we'll do my C block, a very compressed one. We'll be back in a second. Thanks. And we're back, LE 2.0 Radio. Uh, Sandra Samuels, remember that name, please. Remember Naz, please. Um, get on their mailing list. Sign up for their newsletter. I've done that. And um, help. <laughs> help. I think that it's all of our obligation to do that. Okay, uh, I've got like four minutes to share about my work. And so let me very quickly... Last week, uh, the reason you did you got a Best of Ellie show was last week I, I was in Wisconsin and I was in uh, Wisconsin training at a nonprofit giving a talk uh, titled How to Be Welcoming to LGBTQI2 Plus Humans. About 150 people in the room <clears throat> uh, training um, a nonprofit. We won't get into the name of the nonprofit, but um, – no doubt that for many of these people, it was the very first time they'd ever literally met like a, a live transgender human. Uh, and, you know, I began the talk by saying, I, I'm, I'm sure that there are some people right now that are uncomfortable about me giving this talk. And there are some people maybe even resentful of the fact that you have been asked to sit through a talk about how to be welcoming to what I call alphabet people, LGBTQI2 plus people. Um, and I said, but please just um, just hang on. Let's take a journey together. And um, if we get to the end of the journey and you're still, you know, um, repulsed or dislike me, that's fine. Okay. And you know what? Um, uh, the talk was about two hours. We had a little bit of a break. But you know what? Overwhelmingly, 
these folks know. This is rural Wisconsin, okay? Um, overwhelmingly, the folks were extremely, extremely welcoming. They were. And after I got done, there were a couple of people, a couple of women uh, separately who approached me about individual issues they were having within their families over LGBTQ people and people being intolerant. In fact, one of them um, was very, very emotional about it. And she ended up, she started sobbing as she talked to me. I ended up giving her a hug. We were both wearing masks, um, but I ended up giving her a hug. And I'll tell you, I think that that hug lasted at least a minute. And I think that what I had to say, hopefully, I, hopefully it, I gave her some strategies and suggest I give her Tony Hoagland's piece. You've heard me talk about that before. Tony Hoagland's piece, The Cure, uh, the cure to Racism is Cancer. Um, and even though it's about skin color racism and not about LGBTQ prejudice, nonetheless, it's about changing your perspective when you your life circumstances change. Okay, For example, and I've said this before, so bear with me, uh, listeners, but – you know, my entire life changed when I transitioned genders and went from male to female. I guarantee you um, the male version of me, which I didn't like a whole lot, but the male version of me would never be right here right now talking to you. I guarantee that. And would never understand what Sandra and I just talked about. Male version of me wouldn't appreciate probably any of that. Okay. So it is about changing your perspective. So I continue to do the work. I need to get in front of more audiences. I need to get to more rural places, more places in greater Minnesota, greater Wisconsin, where I can talk to people. Help me do that, will you? Okay, please. Suggest me. Reach out to people. Suggest me to other people. Please. Okay, that's that's what we've got. I need to give a big thanks to my producer, Brett Johnson. Brett's had to do a little bit of math today and a little bit of fluctuating around about a coughing fit that I had. Um, but Brett, you are like the best in the business as far as I'm concerned. And audience members, listen, I appreciate you tuning in. I know that many of you are now doing taking this podcast and thank you for doing that. Thank you for sharing about it. Um, between now and next week, okay, do me a favor. Go out, try and make the world better in one way or another. Please. Okay? We all need to do that. And make sure you vote. All right. I'll talk to you next week. Thanks so very much. Ellie Krug, signing off. Bye-bye. <laughs>